0: Coming up this week, off-screen... Chris Hemsworth takes us in the heart of the sea. Chris Marshall has some sparks and embers. It's here! Star Wars The Force Awakens.
1: Anyone with a nut allergy, meanwhile, should beware the Peanuts movie.
0: Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg face off when Daddy's home.
1: And Alison Brie and Jason Sudeikis are sleeping with other people.
0: All those Tacoma more, off-screen. This
1: is... This is Off-screen.
0: With the latest film news and
1: reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. My name is Case Allen. So, our final uh,
0: regular show of the year then. It so, should we,
1: should, we, should we start with the, with Mr. Hemsworth? Should we start with Moby Dick?
0: Let's do this. So, this is a uh, film uh, In the Heart of the Sea. Sh- Howard. Th- this was supposed to come out like six months ago, was it? Six, nine months ago, wasn't it? It was nine months ago, yeah. Nine months they, ago. They I pushed think. it back. No one really does Why I think it's suspected because of like the awards. It was, it was for Oscar reasons, yeah. I think, was the story at the time. Mm. And
1: now it's out, and it's smack in the middle of Oscar season. Yeah. Well, it's kind of at the front runner of the Oscar season, really. Isn't it's it? one of the first out of the gate. And so this is, allegedly, this is the story of the true events which inspired Moby Dick. Mm. And what we have is we have a film in which Herman Melville, who obviously will go on to write Moby Dick, is played by Ben Whishaw. That's good casting. It? Uh, it's good casting. And he arrives and he encounters the, who he refers to as the last survivor of the Essex, played by Brandon Gleeson, who he... Pays. He manages to, uh, to convince and pay to tell him the story of the event which will go on to form the novel Moby Dick. Which of course, when we flash back, stars Chris Hemsworth as the <laughs> second officer of the Essex. Now you told me this, was the actor who plays the captain? Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Um, Benjamin Walker. Benjamin Walker, who is yeah. the, the Greenhorn captain of the... I didn't know from, he was the captain. Comes That's from, from a family of privilege. And he's gotten right. the position. He's taken what should have been Chris Hansworth's promotion. Oh. And he is, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's the, yeah. the officer class, whereas Chris Hansworth has earned his through way through the up. ranks. Yeah. Comes from a, a less than prestigious family and is referred to as you know, a landman. Mm. You know, he's, he's not from a naval <laughs> tank, he's a landman. He's worked his way up as an orphan through the ranks. And he's, he's earned his place, damn it. But before <laughs> he earns his place, there is the small incident of a whaling expedition.
0: We have ah. a clip. Sir, a squall is starboard Bow. We must shorten sail immediately. Not just yet, Mr. Chase. Sir, so we are headed into a squall of more than eight knots, and it's moving faster than that.
1: Let it come. Men are soft for months on land. They need a good baptism. Let them know our work has begun. If we don't shorten sail and pair off, it'll catch us on the beam. Mr. Chase, we will stand on. Mr. Lawrence, hold our course. Put in course, sir. We'll lose half a day running like that. We'll skirt the edge of it. If the men can't handle a gust like this, then God help us all. So there is some really topical stuff mm-hmm. in the heart of the sea. You can see why you'd make this film now, because when the film begins, we're given this we're given, hey, it's a time of, of great financial hardship and our economy is based on this whale oil that we have to and you think, wow, this could not be more on the nose if it actually <laughs> yeah. came up and smacked you in the face. <laughs> But you know what, to to its credit, I mean, this is the defining triumph within the heart of the city, is Ron Howard. And Ron Howard's uh, direction, has, has always, Ron Howard's always been a great director.
0: Yeah, she's always quite, It's like a safe pair of hands, isn't he? He's a
1: safe pair of I don't think Ron Howard has ever given the credit he deserves in terms of being a, a really well-developed, well-established director. He can mm. paint you a visual picture with the best of them. And he comes from that sort of immediate post-Spielberg sort of wave, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: films like Apollo 13, definitely. They
1: yeah. It is, it is, I would say that a post-Spielberg wave. Mm. And he kind of shows within the Heart of the Sea. This is the kind of film that you would imagine could feasibly have been a Spielberg film. Mm. It's the kind of project Spielberg in his current iteration, his <laughs> current career iteration would feasibly have done. Where in the Heart of the Sea falls down is in the story, which doesn't quite seem to know which story it wants to tell. So you have this poster, you have the big marketing campaign, big whale fin, and based on the events which inspired Moby Dick. It's
0: a wonderful poster, about, isn't wonderful it? Wonderful poster. Yeah. And, you know,
1: Chris Hemsworth with the harpoon, all over the marketing. <laughs> yes, we can have we Chris want to see Hemsworth that. as, you know, effectively the real Ahab. Yeah, as Captain Ahab. Not the case, not at all. This is a film about character conflict on this merchant naval, on this naval vessel, mm. and then there's a whale, and then it's a castaway story. And I'm just thinking, so, but then towards the end, they need to bring the whale element back into it, sort of retroactively. And you can't help but think, did did you want to make the film about the whale? Or for you, was it more about the internal politics of yeah, this ship? the ship? Yeah, the kind of struggle. Now, either is an interesting story. Having said that, <laughs> Uh, Chris Hemsworth's portrayal in his Chris Hansworth performance is is, is exemplary. Uh, Benjamin Walker, very, very good as the as the greenhorn character, but the like real him. star Tom Holland. Our new Spidey. Our new Spider-Man. and uh, So Spider-Man and Thor have appeared together before Avengers. Just <laughs> before great. I, yeah, yeah. Before there, before, With Abraham yeah. Lincoln. With Abraham Lincoln. And, and Q as well. And Q. Yeah. <laughs> and the Scarecrow. Because still Murphy's <laughs> yeah, course, in this yeah. as well. <laughs> exactly. And the
0: big guy from Braveheart.
1: And the big guy from Braveheart, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, who a friend of mine once said, well, if you're going to cast Thor, it has to be Brendan Gleeson. He didn't know that Thor was a comic book.
0: Yeah. Okay, he, he did, would have been a quite quite a good Odin.
1: Actually, been, yeah, kind
0: yeah. of If Tony yeah. Hopkins didn't want to return, just get
1: get yeah. do, get Donald's. Well, dad, that dad. would actually work get Brendan. Yeah, and of course you've got Caitlin Stark herself as Brendan Gleason's wife. I forget, Michelle Fairy, I think her name is I, that sounds familiar. That. Yes, right. So well directed, well acted. Although Chris Hemsworth's accent is a little bit iffy, <laughs> you're Australian. You couldn't just do a British accent for, yeah. you know, for the hell of it. It's, it's not a huge leap, is it? Uh, best performance in the film: Tom Holland. Really great performance from a startlingly young actor, because mm. he's always so much younger than I think he is.
0: What was that film he was really good in? The Impossible. The Impossible. Impossible yeah, a big tsunami the film. The yeah, Impossible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, the problem is the screenplay doesn't quite know what where the story is going. You've got uh, screenplay is credited to Charles Leavitt, although has an uncredited rewrite by Peter Morgan. Hmm. Now, you can tell where Peter Morgan's left his mark on it, and it is in that on-the-ship, in-the-thick-of-it character interaction, and it's really well done, and it does harken back to to particularly Rush, to that back-and-forth element of Rush. Really well done, but the lack of focus in it leaves you coming away from the film thinking, I'm not sure what the point of what I watched was. And that's a problem with a
0: film that should be as
1: outstanding as in the artsy a Moby Dick movie in 2015 starring no. Thor. Put, put, from put that on the
0: biggest possible screen yeah. that Star Wars isn't occupying, and we'll Exa- watch right yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, this is a, this is out Boxing Day by the way. So we're a bit weird with the release dates. Uh, oh yes, we are. yeah. This is out Boxing. It's August
0: port around Christmas.
1: Uh, we, we have clear. <laughs> we have clear that we are okay to review them. By the way, okay. we did have the conversation with one of us. We're okay to review it. Cool. So, <laughs> So yeah, we, we've got that we've got that element covered. Fear not, but say the screenplay a bit iffy. For me personally, the downside is not until Boxing Day. My dad will be gone after Christmas for that, so I'm not going to get taken to see it. He would have loved it. Is your dad's kind of? It does sound film. like it. Definitely. Very much. A dad my film. my dad will enjoy it. I, I think so. I think his dads of a certain age, yeah. will will love it. <laughs> so um, we'll just do a bit of film news real quick, okay? Uh, because we've got to talk about uh, Power Rangers and Ascendant, the final Divergent movie?
0: Yeah, so they, this is the release date.
1: Yeah. They've been delayed. Well, I, don't, I don't know why. Power Rangers has now moved uh, from 13th of January 2017 to March
0: 24th, 2017. So, mm. East holidays, maybe? Yeah, like I think it's possible. it's kind of a better slot for them. January generally seems to be where those kind of films go to die, isn't it? Well
1: yeah, but that slot that Power Rangers has taken, that's where Divergent Ascendant was going to be, which has now moved to June 9th. I smell like a big summer number. I think it's going for a summer a summer finale there. So we, the we have that people control. who care for anyone who who still cares about the Divergent series. Although if you've ever been to a uh, a talker screening of uh, you know like one of these fan screenings of uh, of, of a Divergent movie, mm. they have a very very rabid fan base. So I mean, <laughs> really rabid, really. Oh god, unreal! Like fanatical, like teenagers, like, like Hunger Games kind of. Hunger like. Games-esque. Yeah, they really love it, so we should move on to another review. Uh, let's talk about Sparks and Embers, okay, yeah. which is uh, writer-director Gavin Boyter's. Uh, I want to say, um, what's the uh, the Ethan Hawke? indie romance series uh, before, before before midnight Georgia, yeah yeah before sunset before sunrise yeah. before midnight yeah. this is sort of a British spin on that starring Chris <laughs> Marshall and Annalise Hesme, uh, who is French, and this is obviously part of the thing, um, although she, her being french doesn 't seem to factor into it except for the actual plot, which is um, except for one element of the plot which is to give her an opportunity to leave. She is his ex girlfriend. She is leaving that night to move to Paris with her new boyfriend. They get together for a coffee, for apparently no reason, because that's what you do when you're leaving the country, and over the course of one night, get to know each other again, whilst we have a lot of flashbacks to how they met when they were stuck in a lift that one time, five years ago. Here's a clip.
0: What happened to you after I left?
1: Drank a lot of beer. Experimented with a serious prawn cocktail crisps, have it? I'm moving to France. So this is a... Goodbye type scenario. My train leaves at 6.45. You're a right bullbuster. buster. <laughs> in a shaft of air, hundreds of feet above the ground with a caveman. I never stopped thinking about you. What was my unforgivable sin? I'm sorry I neglected you. I'm sorry I took you for granted. there nothing you'd miss. Right, I can safely say nothing is sparking about this uh, rom-com. It really is the poor man's before, before. midnight. Or this is getting released the same day as, as Star Wars. That so kind of tells you. That's yeah, that's like kind of like sweeping that, it under the rug. Isn't it's where it? you put a film to die. <laughs> you know I mean? and everyone in it is awful. I mean, Annalise has me is bad. I mean, like really, you, you couldn't find a better French actress than this. You've got Chris Marshall, who is really trying for some of that. Oh, I, um, I do like um, him. He's trying for, for you know, he's trying for that witty, mm. lovable mm. bit of that Hugh Grant magic. Mm. But you see sort the of thing, actually, I've seen Nicholas Holt in uh, Kill Your Friends deliver a, a better performance. Yeah,
0: Did, it's more you, charismatic. If
1: you could have done this with Nicholas Holt; it would have been better. He could have done this with Rafe Spall; it probably would have been fantastic.
0: Or If you totally really
1: want to do this, you're push about it, Josh Widdicombe. like that. Yeah, I can see that. He's, he's actually, getting some traction, isn't I he? I think he needs a film career. Yeah, I can um, see that. But the weird thing is, it's just so pedestrian, so run of the mill, so predictable as well. And by the time you get to, it's decidedly phoned in an obvious ending. You really can't be bothered, and there are no embers left on the fire. The fire has died. <laughs> it is a, no, no. Just, just avoid this just one. No. You will, you will not enjoy it. It's eighty-eight minutes, and boy, do you feel every one of them. With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So you know what time it is, Case? I certainly do. It's Star Wars time. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you what, let's just do a clip first. Yes.
2: The Dark Side. The Jedi. It's calling to you. Just let it in.
1: The force is back. It is. So the question well is: is it? the force strong in this one case? Um. Yes. Okay, should we do the plot first and foremost? Yeah. uh, Uh, But not the full plot. We have to be kind of ambiguous about it. (laughs) This is the point. It's a really spoilerific film to cover. It is. And it's been kept under such a cloak of secrecy. You have to be very respectful of it. And that's such a part of the actual film as well. It's Mm. all about surprise. It is. So. It is 30-plus years on from the fall of the Empire at the end of Return of the Jedi. The Republic, the the Galactic Republic, has been rebuilt for the most part. The Galactic Senate has been reinstated. Uh, Princess Leia is now General Leia Organa, Mm. Organa? Organa, Organa and runs the Resistance. Luke Skywalker is still the last of the Jedi and has disappeared... And, well, Han Solo's out there somewhere. <laughs> but the Empire is not gone entirely. There is this Isis-style revival known as the First Order, complete with its own Sith named Kylo Ren and a new Emperor figure named Snoke and a new Grand Moff Tarkin figure yeah. named General, General Hooks. And into this mix come three new heroes, well, two and one and a bit. Uh, so you've got the two main figures who are Ray, played by Daisy Ridley, uh, and Finn, played by John Boyega, and to a lesser extent Poe Dameron, who is this resistance elite pilot. Who I think game. will become a much larger part. You Soon will yeah. become more of an action hero. and uh, So they find themselves thrust not only into a plot to thwart the plans of the First Order, but also the thrust into the
0: face of destiny to save the galaxy itself. Mm. Well... Did it live up to case? Did it, did it live up to the hype for you? I think it lived up to and went past the hype. It, far and away, like kind of exceeded my expectations. I
1: don't think there's really a debate on whether or not the film's any good. Um, it is good. It's yeah. very, very good. It is fast. It is frenzied. It is furious. It is funny as well. It is. Which I don't think anyone really expects it's both of. light
0: and dark, and it, it nails the tone. It does perfectly. get those, that, that,
1: that balance yeah. perfectly. And it's, it's, very, it's a
0: very tangible film
1: as well. Mm. After all the green screen theatrics of uh, the prequels... It's
0: been a big part of a kind of marketing campaign. This is it? real. We've got this a real, real film yeah. with practical It's things. minimal CGI. It very much is. I mean, you, you do know when you are looking at... It, actually,
1: that, that's very telling about the film. Because of how it is structured and how it's produced, you know when you're looking at CGI... Mm. Because of how it contrasts with so much practical work. And I have issues. I think it's fantastic. It, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that this is the biggest cinematic event since Star Wars Episode One, Which is you know, kind of funnily enough, really. Yeah. Um, Plot-wise, um, that's my big issue with it. It does seem to be a carbon copy of an earlier film that I won't go into. It's a very thin sort of photocopy of earlier work. And that's really its biggest flaw. But I will say that... To put it into franchise terms, that floor I mean, would be to say that it is to that earlier film what a really epic version of Superman Returns would have been to Richard Donner's Superman. Yeah. That, that's the best thing. That I'd is say accurate. That. I, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, no one's calling Superman Returns as good as this film. <laughs> if like, if no Superman way. Returns had been amazing, there would have been a direct comparison. Yeah. This is amazing, and the key to it seems to be it's not just a great film. It's a great experience. It's a film where mm. you'll sit and whoop and cheer and cry and and you move by and you'll love the Very lovable characters. Oh, yeah. You just immediately feel for Ray.
0: Straight Exactly. Yeah, She's straight a away. really investable lead, isn't yeah.
1: she? And you've got John Boyega, who I think is sort of filling the Han Solo gap a little bit. with A the little sort bit. Of
0: His character is different than I thought it would be. Dragged along
1: for the kind of an element. And But there's so much... Not out and out humour. I wouldn't call it a, a, a humour, a, a comedic film, but there is a naturalistic comedy to it. Good humour. It doesn't. It, it doesn't feel forced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't feel forced. Got <laughs> to force though. It's got to force. And it does also seem to address a sort of uh, an audience attitude, a sort of fatigued audience attitude to Star Wars, particularly in the face of the prequels. And you can't help but think that. In addressing the prequels as heavily as it has, and trying to adhere so much to the original canon, that maybe that explains the very thin plot retread. Mm. But you know, it it's so damn fun that it just makes up for it. And how good is Harrison Ford as Han Solo?
0: He's having so much fun. Returning He's still got to his it. part. He's still got yeah. that. Yeah, sort of as we were saying during our top ten. Um like we view, recorded. View. Yeah. Spoiler um, alert, Star Wars spoilers. is in there. Star Wars is in there. But yeah. we're not going to say <clears throat> No. Um yeah, we were saying that it doesn't feel like when he was in um uh, the Kingdom of a Crystal Skull. It oh Indiana yeah. Jones, yeah. It doesn't feel like when he came back to being indie. No he's He's, he generally wants to be there. It's, it's fantastic. It's very true. I mean, he's slightly weird to see Han Solo with an earring mark, but uh, yeah. <laughs> aside from that, we'll just say that that's, something happened in the intervening thirty yeah. years. Han Solo <laughs> had an earring at some point. That's all we're going to yeah. say.
1: <laughs> um, so, in terms of the cast, though, say the the cast are fantastic in it. It's one of the best casts I've seen assembled for a tentpole picture. Oh, yeah. in a long time since. Do you know? I would say arguably, uh, Dark Knight Rises in terms of tentpole pictures and the best cast you could possibly assemble mm. that, that I would say um, you've got Daisy Ridley who kind of looks weirdly like Keira Knightley yet delivers this yeah. young Sigourney Weaver performance mm. in oh, it's very,
0: very much like Sigourney Weaver it is. It's, yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's going with around the time of Alien, mm. when she was really sort of green and and, and this neutral. has been such a
0: fantastic year for strong female characters, hasn't it?
1: I think to have ended with Daisy Ridley, yeah. having gone through uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Charlize Theron, sorry, sorry yeah. Charlize Theron, then Rebecca Ferguson, and now end mm. end of the year with Daisy Ridley, um, wow. Ex Machina as
0: well. Oh, uh, if I can if I can, Yeah. yeah.
1: <clears throat> so we've had a really good year have, for women yeah. in film. And you still can't buy a Black Widow action figure. That's all I'm going to say. Come on, Marvel, sort it out. Come on, Marvel, get to it. We're not waiting four years for Captain Marvel. Stop dragging your heels. Just get to it. Get Katie Sack off in there and let's do this. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, so you say you've got John Boyega, who just cuts this really fun and sort of frivolously likeable Han Solo archetype, really, as Finn, uh, who has a whole backstory that, that kind of it actually is something surprising for the film. <laughs> um, Oscar Isaac as Poe Demon. Gets to do something that we've not really seen him do yet, which is that seventies action adventure leading man. Yeah, type.
0: He's, he's got a bit of swagger.
1: He's got some swagger. He's got yeah. some chops in this area. He really does. And we can just add that to the list of things we know Oscar Isaac can do well: Play guitar, is, sing,
0: a Really long list, yeah. isn't it? He's great. He's he's definitely one of my favourite actors. This, I this, we are talking
1: about a future Oscar winner, quite clearly. Sure,
0: oh, I do do hope so.
1: I'd say Harrison Ford. You know, he's got some, there's some oomph in the tank. some oomph left in the tank there Uh, Carrie Fisher you know minimal role makes a great impact Uh, Oscar Isaac though quite a minimal role actually is what we should say although he does make a really good impression with Mm. that minimal role I do think though that the one actor that should get a lot of standout for this is Adam Driver as Kylo Ren a role that so easily could have been Hayden Christensen 2.0 it could have
0: been quite hammy could have been really yeah.
1: ham and or han-fisted Oh, terrible! <laughs> and uh, he plays but, it
0: with such kind of
1: yeah does, nuance. I, I'll say he is the franchise's first twitchy-eyed, full tilt psychopath. Oh yeah, he say does that. it so well because there's there's temper tantrums and there's just furious outbursts and yeah, yeah and it. But it's, if you're a fan of girls on TV, <laughs> this is this may well terrify you. Let's yeah. this, this roll. <laughs> it's a great movie more than that it's a great Star Wars movie and I can't remember when we had that it's written sharply to address all the issues you had with the prequels it's also written in such a way that there is now a genuine argument to say that Lawrence Kasdan may have been the brains behind the original trilogy mm. might have been Lucas's ideas
0: <laughs> but I think we. but Kasdan took it home we
1: can now argue that La- Lawrence Kasdan made those work and because we've seen what happens when Lawrence Kasdan doesn't work on them we get the prequels yeah so with Lawrence Kasdan thankfully original here. trilogy without Lawrence Kasdan prequels. prequels with Lawrence Kasdan Force Awakens just yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> you don't really need to to look too closely into that I don't think um, John Williams is pushing about out uh, a little bit with this one he's got, gone for a bit of an Arthurian flair with his score yeah I, I love that score. That's it because narratively it has something of that uh, that Arthurian legend
0: sort of color mm. it. He does revisit some of the earlier themes, which you obviously want to hear. You need that, you and, need but them, it doesn't yeah.
1: rely too heavily on them. No,
0: it'll was, just kind of pop up during I would a new piece. It to the
1: Avengers uh, scores. You know how they use the individual character scores sporadically. Yeah, Avengers. this is I better like that. than those, but same trick. Mm. Definitely, and as I say it does have that Arthurian tone to it. Mm. Um, as I say, this is hands down the best science fiction adventure fantasy of the 21st century, easily. Yeah, um, Which, you know,
0: takes the crown away from Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm afraid to say. but uh, <laughs> Well, Guardians, yeah, they, they were heavily borrowing from Star Wars, which is, which is cool. Yeah, that's fine.
1: I mean, in, in wrapping it up, I would say um, it, it's, it's, it's all about surprise, and achieving surprise is where it both succeeds and fails. In terms of its failure, it, it, that's only because it has rehashed an earlier film. In terms of its success, it's because it's so entertaining. It's so strangely upbeat, despite some really dark things going on at times. It is a fast paced, adventurous,
0: cheerful and upbeat romp. Yeah. When was the last time you could say that about a Star Wars film?
1: Exactly. So, speaking of Star Wars films, we should point out that we did actually do a Star Wars podcast special. Yes, we did. Uh, we did, and we had a lot of fun doing it. We that had well. loads of fun. We did that with Colin Yates, Andy Meakin from the Space Center. We, we were File. talking
0: about the original films and gushing, have a great time. I remember real fun started when we were talking about the prequels.
1: We were, yeah, because yeah. how do you investigate block a blockade? Um, <laughs> you know how do you investigate a blockade case um, so yes that is available to uh, download that is a podcast only edition do check that out the off screen Star Wars special 2015 I don't know if we're going to do one for 2016 for Rogue One but uh, do, maybe do just maybe do the same else? thing again and, oh maybe and, and, it was
0: It was so much fun so those guys are welcome here anytime yeah next time we review the Christmas special
1: <laughs> with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen and we're
0: back. So shall we? Uh, shall we uh, get on to the Peanuts movie? Yeah. So this is uh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Charlie Brown and Snoopy. On, the Pean- the P- 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 yeah. Peanuts movie.
1: This is a weird. Because why do we have to have that? It's, it's like. Uh, how... I think
0: we we've discussed the reasons why. It, it, yeah. Well. Yeah. It's, because, it's a family show. Perhaps. Yeah. We we don't want people walking over mispronouncing
1: peanuts. For something else at the box office, right? So, of course, uh, Charlie Brown and Peanuts movie, uh, which is sort of, kind of a sequel, but also kind of an origin story to uh, to to the the Charlie Brown universe. Mm. As in, Charlie Brown and Snoopy are you know, and and the gang are all established to us. Like when when the movie begins, we you know, it's it's like, oh hey, Charlie Brown, you're doing the same old thing, eh? Then we have the Little Redhead Girl. Moving little little red-haired girl, she's called. So she doesn't have a character name. It's just that she moves into the neighbourhood. She's a new arrival, Um, and Charlie Brown sets out to win her affection, to win her love because he's head over heels at first sight. In the meanwhile, of course, Snoopy discovers a typewriter in a skip, the iconic Snoopy typewriter. So that's a prequely element as well, (laughs) and he sets about writing a novel in which he imagines himself as the Flying Ace. Who's you know a sort of World War a World War One era pilot who sets out to take down the Red Baron, which is presented to us in 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 sort of uh, not flashback but sort of a fantasy type scenario. We have a clip.
2: Someone's moving in across the street from me.
1: Hey, gang! Look, there's a new kid moving in! Hey, brother, put yourself together! Come on, Charlie Brown! Get out of the way! Ow! Hey, guys, what did you see? Who is it? Oh, I think I see a piano! I hope
2: he loves Beethoven. Beethoven's Beethoven. Maybe he will appreciate my
0: natural beauty. I just hope he'll have an open mind about the great pumpkin. I think they have a toaster! It's not often you get the opportunity to start over
2: with a clean slate. This time, things will be different.
1: He did it. Right. So I grew up with with Snoopy and Charlie Brown in its animated series form. I don't know mm. you, yourself. Uh,
0: well, I, I didn't necessarily grow up with it, but I've I've seen I've seen it, and I am aware of it. And, I, I know the theme tune on piano. I think so, everyone knows that. Yeah. Theme tune. <laughs> um,
1: and the characters are all sort of name-checked uh, here. You know, you have Linus, Lucy, Marcy. Yeah. Marcy, Mar- 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 they're all there, and they're all you know the characters that you've always known them to be. But they are very much cast aside early on in favour of these two storylines, which, frankly, aren't that really, really that interesting. And mm-hmm. you can't help but think, well, I, I kind of want does it Like, Linus seems to have no character. It's also weird that his blanket doesn't really ever seem come into. that's such an iconic part yeah. of that character um, the established universe versus prequel element is bizarre if you, know, if you know the Snoopy world and yeah, no one besides Snoopy and Charlie Brown really get much of a look in the little red haired girl I think is played about as well as she could be, which is to be this sort of object of love from afar kind of a thing, but um it, I can't figure it out if the established fans and the you know slash parents because they're not really going to be the, the kids. Mm. If they're the target, then the then the, the the decision to establish Charlie Brown as existing and then having these prequel elements is baffling. Mm. If it's for the newcomers though, then the film is frankly weird and kind of dull, and that's the problem because what you've got is a film which exists in a post-Muppets world and when I say Muppets I mean 2011 Muppets Mm. and one of the things that made the Muppets as great as it was in 2011, 2012 was that the Muppets addressed one very key issue which was we are now in a very very cynical age we are in a 21st century you know internet era of cynicism and sarcasm. And basically, we're a more dark-hearted culture than we've ever been. And the Muppets set out to address that issue of Mm -hmm. how do we function in this world? What is our role in this newer, more cynical world? And because that was such a key component of that Muppets movie, it it worked and it did gangbusters. And it made that movie as great as it was. Charlie Brown does nothing of the sort. It's the same old Charlie Brown you've always known. Mm -hmm. And because they've not upped the ante in any way... It falls flat. It's as lacking. Yeah. It frankly, <laughs> it's too old hat for a 2015 <laughs> multiplex. It's too much of a relic. But how can
0: you modernise Charlie Brown? Well, I look at it
1: in terms of something like Paddington. Now, Paddington mm, that did a great job. That did yeah. a great job. Now we didn't. What they did was they updated Paddington to a degree, without really, without succumbing to the level of Paddington has an iPhone.
2: And, (laughs) you know what I mean?
1: They didn't take it to the Paddington has an iPhone level, they just had, here is Paddington in the 21st century, and it worked. Mm. That works, because all they needed to do was just just modernise the humour, just Ten percent. just add 10% more contemporary humour and it works and that's why Paddington was such a success last year actually I need to watch that as Christmas thinking about it I, I it's really a good film to, I, it's a good Christmas film mm, as well it is uh, just in Richard Curtis's London undisputedly <laughs> uh, Charlie Brown is nothing of the sort in fact the greatest success of the film the thing that really sells it more than anything is the animation of it the animation is superb it's very well realised and it is this sort of CG enhanced three dimensionalised sort of a South Park look <laughs> like that 2D cardboard Style at South Park sort of borrowed from Snoopy to begin with mm. that rendered into CGI with actual texturing, but what looked like hand drawn faces on there, although they're still computed, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. But really well done, really well realised, and the 3D is employed very well as mm. to boot. Um, I enjoyed that side of it, but I found the film really lacking. It is something that I think even parents and fans of Peanuts and Snoopy. I think they will have a bit of a snooze through it, and I think kids that's a shame. kids above a certain age, above say five, will be kind of bored by it, which is really a shame. I feel mm, like that is a missed opportunity. I do. I feel like sort of Charles Schultz deserves more than this. Yeah, I feel it's kind of unfair. So, all right, we'll uh, have a look at what's going on then before we crack on with the next mm. review. We have got to talk about Alien Covenant. Yes, that's found its new lead. Yes, yeah, Catherine Waterston. Yeah, how yes. do how do you feel about that? well she has sort of risen to prominence very quickly through um, what was it Steve Jobs she's uh, yes she was good in she's that she's Christine Brennan in yes. Steve Jobs um, um, and Inherent Vice Inherent well, Vice yeah, that's the one and she's also did you know she's the daughter of Sam Watterson
0: you No, know, I didn't know she her. actually really? is the daughter of Sam Watterson no so the newsroom Sam <laughs> Watterson
1: uh, meanwhile a bit of casting I quite like this one as well um, this is for the movie Undefeated The Rocky Marciano Story <laughs> Yes, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner is going to be Rocky Marciano. Mm. Wow, that's that's quite a good bit of casting. I can see that. Yeah, that could be an interesting one. So, speaking of uh, well, fights to end all fights, (laughs) uh, we've got to talk about Daddy's Home. Yeah, we do. This, yeah. this is the new comedy to start Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, who are reuniting after appearing in the other, the other guys, guys, which was yeah. what five years
0: ago. The other guys, uh, about
1: five or six. Five yeah, it's it's pretty good, pretty good comedy. Good, it was a decent comedy at the time. Uh, you had Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell as the wacky one, and Mark Wahlberg as the straight man. Here we're going to invert that formula <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So it's what we have got is you've got a. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg is the estranged father of a family consisting of Linda Cardellini and her two children. Linda Cardellini remarries, marries Will Ferrell, who's very much a sort of corporate shill, as it were, but hmm. for a, a jazz radio station. And one day, Mark Wahlberg inadvertently discovers that his ex has remarried, because he's that much of an absentee father that he simply he, know. he wasn't told. He immediately decides, I need to find out who the man in my kid's life is. And appears and would you know it soon enough, the fight to end all fights begins. It is dad versus stepdad. Here's a clip. I don't know if that's a good idea, Brad. Dusty! It's
0: vibrating up into my shoulders. Hey, it's okay, Brad. Look, she's a lot of bike, man. No, I'm good. Why don't you go back in and take that shower so you can get a shirt on? Oh, right, you got it. Hey, you look good on that, man. Remember, one down, four up. Dusty, everyone knows. One down, four up. Ah! in the wall, jeez I thought you said you could ride. I can ride. Okay, would you get a shirt on? Of
1: course, the crack of the film, really, is they've inverted that formula. Will Ferrell is kind of the straight man. Mark Wahlberg is the wacky one this time. out. Yeah. But the way it's wacky is that Will Ferrell is kind of. Uh, Will, uh, Mark Wahlberg. I'm talking about the wacky one. I immediately go to Will Ferrell. Uh, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Well, that's what you're used to, isn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah. You're used to that so much now. And uh, what you've got is this very ominous and sort of mysterious bad boy type figure. You don't quite know what he does. Uh, we never told his job for instance hmm. and Will Ferrell at one point explains it as I'm pretty sure he kills people for a living and <laughs> you completely believe it. there's something to do with the military in there he might be special yeah. forces, he might be a military but pe- people have died at his, uh, his hand he has yes. killed people, we, we know this and every time he walks into a room Thunderstruck plays <laughs> oh like, fantastic <laughs> but the success of the film, it's not consistently funny, it's not laugh a minute funny, No, it is laugh every five minutes funny, but when you do laugh every five minutes, they are violent from deep within your core visceral painful laughs laughs. it relies on shock humor and i I mean like physical and physical and visual shock humor Mm. and even violent humor at times but it is profoundly funny when it goes for that mark and i know i'm in a minority when i when i when i say talk about how funny it is because I, i was talking to Certain critics who really disagreed with me were like, mm. no, that was not funny.
0: Kate Muir, for instance, really disliked it. Did they see it as being like your typical Will I think they saw like just another Will Ferrell movie? I watched no. Get Hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they've inverted this really well. Mm. Um, I mean, Will Ferrell is about as good as Will Ferrell can be when he is playing the straight man. Yeah. It is Mark Wahlberg's film. Mart Warburg is outstanding in it. He is so much fun. There is uh, there is a great appearance by Bill Burr uh, late on in the third yeah, act as another same. dad, mm. um, and it's again sort of an inversion of the the Bill Burr character, as in he's very much sort of an unhinged, sort of angry type figure. <laughs> Um, well not really an inversion I suppose uh, there is a certain cameo towards the end that will have you absolutely rolling in hysteria if you've been following this sort of crop of recent films Mm. and uh, there is of course Thomas Hayden Church and Thomas Hayden Church I forgot he
0: was even in it he's
1: so funny (laughs) he comes in every now and again just dispenses advice just unwarranted advice that has nothing to do with what's going on and they are these brilliant segues, <laughs> these brilliant verbal segues that you have to you have to just laugh at. And he he delivers them with that. He's got this weird hipster mustache as well. This yeah, and he's hipster. got like he's like
0: tussled blonde hair. Yeah, no, sort of long at the back. Yeah, feathered.
1: Yeah, but Thomas Hayden Church. If, if ever there was a sort of reminder that Thomas Hayden Church is just this great unappreciated comedic actor, yeah. this is this <laughs> is the one. But see it for Mark Wahlberg, and definitely see it for the visceral, painful physical humour that's in here because it, it, it really does excel in that area so before we carry on we talk about Get Out which is Jordan Peele's horror film oh yeah that just added a new cast member because well, we never got to talk about the fact that Catherine Keener had joined that film that was a few Oh months, really? Catherine Keener's joined oh that's, that's cool I like her a lot and now we've got Caleb Landry Jones as well he's yeah. is, is Banshee in he's the X-Men branchy, yeah. Yeah, in X-Men prequels there's that so this is going to be interesting this is his racism slash uh, his, his topical exploration of racism under the guise of a horror movie yeah and this is going to be a very interesting one but Jordan Peele you know you and I are both fans
0: of Kean Peele we are they've got some interesting projects coming out and next year Keanu's coming out Keanu This uh, is it. I'm, I'm really looking forward those to guys it. with Will 40 and a cat brilliant with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen
1: the on-screen radio show and we're back for one last round. So, should we, we should actually plug all the stuff we've got going oh, on. We have remote. so much, don't we? We've we, we
0: really yeah. wrapped it up recently. So We're we've just got, spoiling people. We, we it's are. It's Christmas time.
1: We are. It's Christmas. We figure, you know, we'll give you some gifts. Yeah. Oh, uh, we should point out there's loads of stuff because we were off last week mm. and there's loads of stuff we didn't get to cover. So, if you want to hear that, we're going to do it sort of after the show. It's going to be on the podcast edition only. Uh, so, you'll notice there's no box office top 10 this week because it includes films that we didn't get to cover mm. last week. So, they are going to be covered in the in the podcast extras at the very end of the show uh, so go and listen to the podcast edition it doesn't cost anything. go and get no, it and just skip to the fine. end if you yeah. need you've listened to the actual show just download that skip <laughs> to about 40 minutes in and get to the very end in the meanwhile of course we have got your handiwork which is the latest Cinewalker the latest Cinewalk well, <laughs> which is <of laughs> no course, longer the Cinewalk no Cine <laughs> Cine it's now the on screen December film yeah. quiz
0: we've got that to, look, that to talk about as well yeah so there's some Christmas questions but of course Star Wars questions as well of course because those are the two big things Star Wars and Star Christmas Christmas, yeah. And a well, couple of like general knowledge ones as well. well you're wearing a Star measure. Wars Christmas jumper. I've been wearing this pretty much every single day in December. Most of
1: my Christmas presents, I think, this year are gonna be Star Wars related. So yeah. I think most <laughs> people's are if you're, if you're male and, above, and well, if you're male, they're gonna be Star Wars yeah. related. <laughs> or if you're female, they're gonna be Daisy Ridley related or BB8 related. Which is cool, so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the uh, the, the December on screen quiz is available in the feature section of onscreenfilm.com. The same address, meanwhile, can be used to access our competition section and we've got some goodies
0: coming up what for we got
1: oh, well at the moment we're giving away uh, DVDs of The Wolf Pack
0: I very much enjoyed that yeah I like Wolf Wolf pack.
1: Pack. we've got those DVDs to give away at the moment oh we've also got coming up next week uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier 2 on Blu-ray we're giving that away in a box set a whole thing okay so, onscreenfilm.com <laughs> if you want to win some goodies just pop along to there so we've got to do the last actual review of mm. the year and we should have saved Star Wars for this now that I think but that would have been a great one to do the end on this I is think. a
0: strange one to just end, end the year on effectively ending the year on yeah. so, okay, way, way to go Jason Sudeikis
1: yes way to go Jason Sudeikis so this is uh, Sleeping With Other People mm. uh, which stars Jason Sudeikis it stars Alison Bree, and uh, well actually there's there's a fair amount of sort of known cast members Jason Mansuka is a big, uh, big favourite oh of he's girl, great but, yeah so, written and directed by Leslie Hedlund, um, this is the story of a pair of platonic friends who met in college, lost their virginity to one another, Alison Brie and uh, Jason Sadekis, met in college, lost their virginity together, um, drifted apart afterwards, never saw each other again, and now have reunited, I think something like 15 years later... It's 2002 It's 2002 when they meet Because OK Go is playing in the background <laughs> Get over it by OK
0: Before watching the film Get Over It uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, and then they meet 13 years later Begin a friendship That then proves troublesome for them to balance Given the romantic and sexual components Involved in you know male-female friendship In the 21st century Do you think they'll get it together? Do, do, you, do you think love oh, may, may win out? Maybe Here's a clip
0: we gotta just be friends. Uh, yes,
1: that is the mature, responsible thing to do uh, for each other and ourselves. Yes, I agree. Okay, but then we gotta come up with a system if we're gonna be friends. You know, and, okay. and I want it to be good friends, but we gotta it's have fair. a system here. So maybe we come up with a safe word for if we're having sexual tension and then we'll stop. So whatever if you're doing whatever something sexy or I'm doing sexy. Okay, but it's mutual, so it is mutual. The word. You're saying it's mutual. Could be mutual. That's a yeah. I may or that's may not yes. need to use the word. We'll have to see. Okay. Well, all right. Well let's all all right, say uh one. What do you got? I'll do anything. What do you, what, you pick it and yes. It's avocado. No, can't do that. No. No, it, no. It's just immediate veto. Mm-mm. Well, I mean it's too sexual. It's too sexual uh, avocado food. is too sexual. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you gotta see the way I eat an avocado, you'd be like, that's I, that, you know, do that to me. So the good news case is that you've, you've not seen this film, have you?
0: No, I, I will, because well, yeah, that's my central truth. Have you seen When Harry Met Sally?
1: Yeah, which I love. Yeah, you, you, if this is yeah, you've, you've just seen, the
0: same... You've seen the movie, it's, it's the same thing. If it's the same in 2015, I'm fine, I'll see it's it again. It's the
1: same in 2015, with all the jokes removed. I mean, there are a couple of laughs in it, but it, it's mostly sort of a... It swings too far for the indie side of the dramedy market, really. Is it like a mumblecore? Uh,
0: not really mumblecore.
1: So I, I think it's trying to be funnier than it is, and... The problem is as well. There is there is a real imbalance in, in because the film largely hinges around the concept of casual sex, which Trainwreck tried to explore in the summer and then gave up on in its third act and kind of torpedoed the whole film as a result. <laughs> I like the film, but I do think that the, the conclusion of Trainwreck ruins it because you know go with the Charlie Sheen. Will someone please go with the Charlie Sheen principle? <laughs> not not the, not the real Charlie Sheen principle. Yeah, not, not right now. Not, yeah. not, not now. But the two and a half men principle do that. Which is to say, he doesn't need redeeming, there's he, nothing wrong he, with it. He doesn't need to change. Exactly. Really. Um, trainwreck did that, and sleeping with other people seems to follow a similar path. And it, its attitude in terms of gender and casual sex is really bizarre, particularly as it is written and directed by a woman. And you can't help but think, why is it that Jason Sudeikis's character, all the way through this film, is given this sort of, well, hey, kind of, mm. oh, yeah, I'm a bit of a guy, yeah, I'm one of the <laughs> bros, you know, kind of attitude to casual sex, and yet, Alison Brie's character is psychologically destroyed by it, at every turn. Like, minute one, she's a broken woman because of it. Yeah. I mean, her introduction in the present day is literally her breaking, her telling Adam Brody that she's cheated on him 16 times with Hollywood Case. So, yes, I forgot to mention that part, Case. Uh, Adam oh, Scott is in this yes. film. A Hollywood must, case. A mustachioed Adam Scott is in this <laughs> film. <laughs> he, he would play me in my life story. It, yeah. He would. Um, the other thing is that the film is R-rated. And it is R-rated for verbal content more than anything else. And it seems very, very odd because whilst <clears throat> they are happy to talk about and practically demonstrate through the aid of visual metaphors certain elements of the sort of casual sex sort of subject they are somewhat afraid of other, of the more revealing physical aspects of it mm. and it's a very notable contradiction that exists throughout so films you've got this gender imbalance although, and then you've got this contradiction as well it, it's kind of like making a sex comedy and rating it PG-13 or rating it pg you think why? Why? Just, why would you do that? why? it doesn't make any sense um, Sudeikis is sort of wasted in it you think <sighs> I feel like this is you treading water Alison Brie gets to push the boat out a little bit But you kind of want more fun from Alison Brie She needs a comedic vehicle That basically gives her room to spread her wings And this doesn't This kind of confines her into You know what, this is where you get to do some crying And it's a real disappointment Mm. in there Um, As a 21st century retread of When Harry Met Sally It's kind of unimaginative those sequences in when Harry met Sally, for instance, when they were in bed and they were on the phone to each other, and the line was down the middle yeah. of the screen, they literally do that with text messaging. Line down the middle do. of the screen, one on each half. Text messaging on the appear on the screen, the yeah, bubbles, text the bubbles. Yeah, text bubbles. yeah, yeah. exactly that, I and mean, it's done throughout. You think but, but that is a, in so
0: many films you know, now, isn't it?
1: By about fifteen minutes into this film, you have plotted out the next seventy-five minutes. And it doesn 't surprise it doesn 't particularly win you over doesn 't charm you, and the only real shock to it all is, hey, amanda Pete 's got another film job, so you know great, good for you amanda pete i was I was really let down by it, particularly mm. considering what it could have been
0: it 's a great cast isn 't it
1: it is also I just want to put it out there that whoever the hell casts Alison bree as a twenty two year old virgin. Is an idiot because it doesn't make a lick of <laughs> sense. I can believe that Jason Sudeikis was a virgin at 22 but not Alison Brady.
0: Hey, that man is married to, to Olivia Wilde. Is he? So, Did you not know that? I did not. Jason Sudeikis is
1: married to He's Olivia He's married Wilde. to Olivia
0: Wilde. They have a kid. They look like they have the happiest couple. So, Jake. Fair play to him.
1: I would be the happiest man in the world if I Olivia <laughs> Wilde. <laughs> God his work now makes compl- I'm not surprised yeah. he's not well she obviously
0: just work, loves is. really funny guys and I really like him I liked him in no um, I it, I where, where the millers with the yeah, I, I was Sudeikis surprised by that. Horrible yeah. bosses.
1: I think he's my favourite one of the horrible bosses characters.
0: Uh, I prefer Charlie Day. You prefer Charlie Day? Oh, I no. think that's just because I I love it's always sunny.
1: Sadekist to me with yeah. his uh, with his Katy Perry ringtone. I think mean, he's great. <laughs> yeah. These guys are confident. <laughs> that's the thing. We're having more fun. We're just talking about talking his about past films than yeah. I had actually watching Sleeping with Other People. And, that's all I need to say. Yeah. I mean but if this film were a woman, you genuinely would go and sleep with other people. That's that that's kind of the sad part about it. So Film of the Week then I think is kind of uncontested.
0: Uh yeah, uh the Peanuts movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, the Peanuts
0: movie. Completely tied. Totally. Yeah, tied with uh, with sparks and embers. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: Chris Marshall and Snoopy, they win they win twenty fifteen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, no, Film of the Week quite clearly is <laughs> The Force Awakens. Obviously. Uh, oh. Well, I mean that's kind of sad. So, but you know, next next not next week, next year we've got sort of loads of interesting stuff to come. Mm. Uh, I think we kind of start the year with Eddie Redmayne again and Danish Girl and
0: uh, his requisite Oscar <laughs> his film. Requisite
1: Oscar film. <laughs> We're starting with uh, with uh, Joy, Joy as well. Yeah. David Russell. Yeah, we've got Creed, I think is the end of that month. Uh, Dirty Grandpa. The Revenant Spotlight. The Revenant
0: Spotlight, Trumbo. Trumbo, of course, yeah. Oh, I've seen Trumbo. Which you've seen. I've seen Trumbo. You can't I, say anything, bro.
1: I can't say anything, although I can tell you, Case, you personally, you're going to love it. Because okay. I, I know you're a John Goodman fan. I'm a John
0: Goodman and a Brian Cranston and a Louis C.K. fan. Yes.
1: Yeah. I can tell you, though, that just as a John Goodman fan... There is a moment in it in which you, you are just going to fall out of your chair. And go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. oh, also um, David James Elliott, who was the star of Jag like yeah, 15, yeah. 20 years ago, gets to play John Wayne, and it's just it's the w- just weirdly brilliant cast. Yeah. You can tell he's having fun. Who wouldn't want to play uh, John? Quite, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got so all those to come and more next year mm. off screen. So, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. And I've been Van Connor. I am still Case Allen. One last time, your Case Allen. For this
0: year, let's see who I'll be next year. Let's see who you're who next knows? Yeah.
1: Next year, your Kaiser it. I'll see. be Adam Scott. You'll be Adam Scott next year. Well, we'll be back next year.
0: Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way.
1: You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit OnScreenFilm.com. podcast extras then, Mr. Allen. Mm. Well, one last round of podcast extras this year. So <laughs> One
0: more round. One, one, one less ride. <laughs> one last ride. You know, so like every time there's a fast and future movie, it's always the last ride. I know, and now we've got another three to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, it's
1: like, how many last
0: rides? <laughs> one less trilogy.
1: It's true, isn't it? Yeah. Like one last trilogy. They can literally Ugh. open a movie with that now. So, right, okay, top ten. Let's get this done.
0: Number ten. Victor Frankenstein.
1: Oh, good lord, this was terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It, it's bad. Did <laughs> bad. you get to see this in the yeah. end? You did, <laughs> Oh, what were your notes on this one? I mean, did you think Daniel Radcliffe was okay in it? I thought he was. I, think it was I thought he was cool. fine. He was fine. He wasn't bad. Uh, James McAvoy's really swinging over the fences, isn't it? Isn't he? Yeah. The problem is, it's it's Max Landis again. It's just great concepts that go nowhere, and that mm. seems to be Max Landis's forte. It's like the opposite of John Landis. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. John Landis could make a great screenplay out of the worst concept imaginable, and yeah. yet Max Landis does the
0: exact opposite right film about someone getting like a takeaway (laughs) and it'll be just like John Landis would make a great movie out of that yeah he would would. number nine Carol Kate Blanchett Todd Haynes
1: she's terrific in it Todd Haynes is uh, terrific behind the camera as well I liked Rooney Mara in front of the camera and uh, it's very much an actor's piece. It's a very moving drama. It's not a multiplex crowd-pleaser. But we are going to be hearing a lot about this as mm-hmm. we move further into awards season, and Blanchett does deserve it. I would not be surprised, though, to see uh, Rooney Mara get some sort of... Yeah. Should, she'll, I, she'll, I get she'll get an Oscar. Off. I think she might like, get a Golden Globe
0: nomination or something. I think it, they're campaigning for her to go oh, for we've, we've had Best Nomination. We? We've haven't they're, they're both in for lead as they're well, which is lead. interesting because they said we were going to try and push uh, Rina Mara for best supporting, so she had more of a shot. Ah, I I actually think
1: that would have worked as well. I think she would have had more of a shot in supporting.
0: Number eight. Krampus... Grandpas. (laughs) Grandpas. Grandpas. <laughs> well,
1: I think did we both have fun with this?
0: I, I had fun. I, it, I would like to watch it again because I was quite tired when I saw it. I saw it quite like a late showing. I think it was good. No. When
1: we get it on DVD and Blu-ray and Netflix and things like that, I think it's one that everyone will watch at Christmas once. Yeah. You know, I'll just, I'll watch this
0: and Gremlins. Yes. Like and they are good comparison back. pieces in a yeah. stranger
1: because we, we always forget that Gremlins kind of is a horror movie in Australia. It's a family friendly horror movie, really. Yeah. And Krampus is slightly less nice. family friendly but a great seasonal horror film in terms mm. of its sheer schlockiness and oh, So and everyone's on board with it and having fun and it's yeah. got the you know evil gingerbread men and things Do like know, that you know great
0: practical effects as well yes actually yeah. i
1: mean the, the you know the gingerbread man's a little bit uh, yeah. ropey in terms mm. of the CGI but other than that there are some great practical facts Krampus himself is a really well realised uh, demonic character yeah. I thought but I liked um, Tony Collette and Adam Scott and who am I forgetting oh
0: the lady from Fargo oh, the I lady from Fargo whose
1: name we always forget No, know and uh, David Covichner and David Covichner yeah. as well Krampus
0: number seven Black Mass we've spoken about this quite a number of times What a letdown! down it definitely let down we, we said that everyone thinks making Don Scott Cooper thinks he's making The Departed. Yeah. That's um, it. And the result
1: is just this watered down, kind of uninteresting gangster movie which doesn't have an arc of any sort. No. It doesn't have a story arc, it doesn't even have character arcs. It is arcless. It is arc. <laughs> it three. is without arc. It is without arc. <laughs> you are feckless. You are without <laughs> feck. <laughs> Do you know, Eddie is our wins line of the year for that in an awful movie, in a bad film in a bad movie. Eddie is our wins line of the year for You are feckless. You are without feck. But no, this is Sand's arc. Although, mm. you know, actually, no, there aren't even any particularly great performances in it. Like, Joey Depp's pretty good in it, but I wouldn't mm. describe as as is, is Joe
0: Lettson. But you know,
1: and Joel Lettson, I, I found a bit cartoony for it, a bit, mm. bit too doughy and. You know, lacking substance. The like
0: two, we were friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're my
1: brother, Anakin, and I loved you.
0: <laughs> I have a higher ground. It's over, Anakin. Number six, The Lady in the Van, which, you know, I've still not seen it. Oh, I'll, I'll wait until that. No Star Wars references on this one. <laughs> uh, the Lady in the Van has actually moved
1: up the chart. Mm. And uh, I have a theory on this one. Right. I, I don't know if you've met my next door neighbours.
0: I have actually. yeah.
1: There are a couple, they're about 50-ish. Mm. And uh, they don't go to the cinema very much. Uh, he is not particularly into his films. And I think she just doesn't get out much because of it. People yeah. don't get to see films. And they did actually go this week and see The Lady in the Van. Uh, apparently it was a choice between that and Bridge of spies, and they oh. they both loved the Lady in the van they thought it was fantastic, and we were talking about it and uh, they they sort of agreed with everything we had said on mm. it, which was you know it's because Maggie Smith is so much fun in it, and she's curmudgeonly in that way that she still manages to be quite likable. It also has Alex Jennings, who's terrific as the Alan Bennett figure, Mm. and a great sporting cast with Roger Allen and Jim Broadbent. It's a hard film not to love, and you are kind of, although you're amused constantly by it and you will laugh your ass off, you are also kind of, you're moved by it and you're upset by it at times, Mm. and you feel his frustration with it, and the writing is so well well thought out and so well conceived. And it's Alan Bennett, I mean. You, know, you can't what you really say, in terms of writers. I don't think you could really, no. you, know, you cast a bad shadow on Alan Bennett.
0: Number five. Oh uh, well, this was awful. Christmas with the Coopers.
1: I told you before. I'd rather spend Christmas in an orphanage than with the Coopers. I, I would agree. I, I have a theory actually, because in the US it's called Love the Coopers. I oh, is a, it? It is, and I have a theory that they didn't. They changed the title for the UK and the rest of the world because I think after the response to it in the US, they were worried that everyone would respond in their reviews with. I don't love the Coopers in mm. fact I deeply dislike them and uh, the problem is it's just I think we said it's just that film that comes out every year that sort of low key low energy family ensemble, tr- ensemble yeah. dramedy and it's even got the kind of cast that you associate with this kind of film now, hey Marissa Tomei's there oh Diane Keaton well it's, um, it's full of
0: people that I like and have been fantastic projects it. John Goodman
1: uh, as well and it's easy to see why they would be attracted to such a project because on paper it must seem like a kind of thing oh I'm going to get some great time to shine in this, and then you watch it, and you think actually no, because all mm. it comes down to is just people bickering. I mean, I, it is the worst Christmas movie to star Anthony Mackie this year. I can say that <laughs> with some certainty. But is the night before? The night before is not in the top ten. Have you noticed that? That didn't last very long, How did it? How did that
0: work out? The night before didn't even make the top ten. Do you know? What? I, qu- I quite enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. I liked it. Oh. No.
0: Number four. Now, this I really dislike. Uh, Bridge of Spies. I love
1: this too. Yeah. And it's, I think... This is
0: Munich-level... Spielberg is going for that same I think it's similar the tone.
1: Perfect Star Wars counter programming.
0: You know, in terms of if you go to the cinema, okay. if you've
1: not bought, you go to the cinema, you go to see Star Wars, but it's sold out, which is very likely to happen mm. for the next week or so. And you think, well, I'm here anyway. I'll see something. I'll see something go else. and see Bridge of Spies. Find out when the next show of Bridge of Spies is on. Yeah. Go and see Bridge of Spies. It'll be a surprise for people, I think. And I think a lot of people who go into it with really with sort of disappointment because they're not seeing Star Wars will find their spirits lifted by what is this brilliantly old school. Even humorous Cold
0: War spy. Oh, it's role. very funny, and it is funny. Yeah. A lot of humor comes from from Mark. Help? Would it help? <laughs> Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. A lot of humor comes from Mark Rylance. Tom Hanks. He's playing Tom Hanks. He's solid. He as is. Always. And
1: it, it does have a great cast. It. Uh, I love the fact that none of us knew that that was uh, Amy Ryan. As, as his wife, I, I, I just thought, I just thought it was Kathleen is it Kathleen Kennedy, not Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Quinlan, Kathleen Quinlan. I just Quinlan, thought yeah. it was Kathleen Quinlan because she's always his wife. <laughs> always Kathleen Quinlan. Yeah. But no, it's Amy Ryan in this case. And no, Mark Rylance though, what a breakout role! Mm. Really great, terrific role. Can't Ryan. wait to
0: see him as Bajirao as as BBFG. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: and that that trailer's on for Star, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I've got to see him forty X as well. That trailer looks oh, kind, really? kind of interesting. Mm. But uh, number three, Spectre. 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 Bond is back in Spectre, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I, th- I found it a disappointment. But I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's just slightly messy. And I think after how focused Skyfall was, having yeah. a messy Bond film is somewhat of a disappointment, particularly when it's the Skyfall team returning. But again, when you make a sequel Bond movie, which has only happened once before, the mm. the, the precedent wasn't exactly. And, tr- good. and trying
0: to tie everything together, it just it didn't feel that natural the the connection between No not at all. Christoph Waltz is bad guy who are we allowed to say who is No, I don't no. think we are. Let's just say Christoph Waltz is bad guy and Christoph Waltz is bad. He, guy. he's a mastermind Actually, over, all the mastermind of the you can call Franz. him Oberhauser. What's his first name? Franz. Franz
1: Hans or oh, is he Hans or Franz? I think it's Franz. The, the Franz Oberhauser. Franz Oberhauser. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the villain and yeah. uh, that's the thing because uh, Christoph Waltz is starring with James Corden in this advert that's on before oh, film be that, yeah. that. his performance in that genuinely has more consideration and thought behind it <laughs> than his, his role in the yeah. in Bond movie which is very strange although you know Daniel Craig's as good as Daniel Craig's ever been uh, Sam Mendes can still direct although he seems to be over directing this one and mm. it's a film very badly in need of an editor because there is about 25 solid minutes that can be locked out of this and you wouldn't lose a thing number two
0: A Good Dinosaur
1: which is apparently on schedule to be Pixar's first flop.
0: Yeah, which is a bit of a shame, but you know we've had a good year with Inside Out. Point out though, the Pixar's first flop
1: will still earn a few hundred million. Oh and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's yeah, it, have, it's, yeah, it's not going to be an out
0: and out failure. Makes its budget back. It just, and, and yeah. I even if the box office isn't what they would like it to be, it's far better received than Cars Two. It is, and yeah. at the very
1: least, you know, it's, I don't imagine it's going to sting them that much,
0: knowing you know we've pretty much got
1: next year's best best animated feature Oscar in the bag. We've got it in the bag, yeah, because in, Inside Out's walking away with that, and then and... also next year, Find a Dory. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that might be one of
0: the biggest earners of next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it will be up there. I think I love that a Dory. It's got Ed O'Neill
0: in it as a, as a squid. As a squid. Do you know what I love about it? Cool. It's got oh, what's his name? Uh, Ty Burrell. As a big whale, as Has a beluga it. whale. Sold, sold, done.
1: Any modern family cast members? That also, works
0: for me. uh, Dan Keaton as Dory's mum. Oh, yeah. And what's the name of the guy with the big eyebrows for American Pie? Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy is the dad.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, totally sold, yeah. Okay, Pixar, you know what? A good dinosaur is good, not great. It's going to be your first financial flop. Fine, who cares? You're doing Finding Dory. You've yeah. got you, in a year when you're already going to win Best Animated Feature, and you've got Finding Dory.
0: I think I think you're going to be okay.
1: Number one,
0: and she's still there for now, at least. <laughs> uh, Hunger Games, Jay Part Two. She won't be there next week. No, she won't.
1: <laughs> she will not be there next week. If I think if they could just chuck away half the top ten, they would. And (laughs) uh, yeah, Uh, I don't. Do you know the thing about it is, Hunger Games? It's over now. It's it's done. And I think, in light of the release of Force Awakens, nobody's even going to remember that it ended. Hmm. The Force Awakens is so big, so all encompassing, that it just casts this looming shadow over absolutely everything. And is anyone really surprised? And it is, I mean, let's be honest, Force Awakens is better than any of the Hunger Games movies. It has, you know, more character, more consideration than than the Hunger Games movies. And Mockingjay is the second worst of those movies. Mm. Mockingjay 2, sorry, is the second worst of those movies. I think Mockingjay 1 will always be the worst. I think it goes, Mockingjay 1's the worst, Mockingjay 2's the next worst. <laughs> First one and then Catching Fire is the best. Yeah. I think so. Although, do you know what? I... I I didn't like Jennifer Lawrence in the last couple of Hunger Games movies. I think it's a not it's, it's such an uninvolving role. Mm. I mean, she does all she can with it, but it's such a drab, depressing character that you think, god, you have no personality. There's a point in uh, Mockingjay 2 in which the two guys are sat around talking about, you know, who deserves to be with her more, and you can't help but think, guys, really? You you why would you want to be Why would you want to have a fight over her? Why why are you fighting over this chick, man? I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone more mopey, <laughs> you know, get Kristen Stewart in there. It kind of makes sense. So, of course, <clears throat> there are a couple of films we that aren't in that top ten yeah. that we should have reviewed last week. One of them is not allowed to qualify for the top ten because it officially opened on Saturday, which was Sisters. So, right, yeah we're not going to put clips in these we'll we'll just talk about the films real quick and get through them as quickly as possible so sisters which you and I saw together I believe yes I say I believe I was there <laughs> as <laughs> <So> was I <laughs> Amy Poehler and Tina Fey as sisters who return to their childhood home to throw one last party yeah. before their parents sell it and it was a barrel of laughs. I can't believe it's taken
0: this long for them to be sisters in a film. I know, and they
1: have so, they have understandable chemistry because they have worked together for they a do, long, long yeah. time. And uh, it is very funny. It was uh, I found strangely strangely touching in places, hmm. like, particularly towards the end where it starts to get the emotional sort of hmm. nugget of it all.
0: Um, it's got a great sporting cast. It in there. Uh, there's
1: a lot of Saturday Night Live people. Lot of Saturday
0: Night Live. Night Live a lot of thirty rockers. Lots lots shows. Lots, up. lots of shows. And uh, and also Parks and Rec and people also as well. And yeah. the
1: weirdest one for me. Heather Matarazzo turns up in it, and you're sort of thinking, I know you've aged a little bit, Heather, but there's no way you're 42 years old. No. Because, no, but but never mind. Um, John Cena
0: as well gets to to (laughs) steal some thunder. My safe word is keep going. going. Yeah, Yeah, between that and Trainwreck, let's see what he's going to do next year. Yeah. With some more
1: comedies. I I hope he's in more. I really do. I want to see more of John Cena. But I really enjoyed uh, Sisters. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Oh, we've got about Hector, which is Jake Gavin's... Uh, yeah, which I've
0: not seen, but Peter Mullen. Peter He's Mullen, always great. Yes.
1: And So this is the story of uh, of Heck, or Hector, who is a homeless Scottish man who, for Christmas, journeys the motorways to London uh, for, for a homeless shelter at which he spends every Christmas. Um, with his sort of old friends, they all gather at the same homeless shelter every year, and you know they all know the staff, etc. And it's his journey to it for having received some bad news, medically speaking. Mm. where I don't think we're ever really particularly told, and it's uh, he tries to make amends with his family along the way. Great supporting cast: Gina McGee, Stephen Tompkinson. Uh, uh, Keith Allen of all people, really? Sarah <laughs> Soleimani's in there. Wow. Really great supporting cast, and Peter Mullen, though he's he's got this performance. He's got BAFTA written all over it. Every mile he travels, he just wears on his face like a badge of honour. Every <laughs> mile manifests itself as another wrinkle another line. on this on this experienced, world weary face of his. And what a performance! And Jake Gavin though really. As a writer director making his debut, he brought it home on this one. And funnily enough, as well, when the end credits come up at the end, one of the first things you see is Hello to Jason Isaacs. No way. <laughs> <laughs> you really do here. Yeah. Is that what else we got to cover as well? But, uh... Uh, should
0: we talk about The Ridiculous Six? Ridiculous. Let's just get this over Let's with. Let's
1: get this over with uh, Adam Sandler's first of four films for Netflix. Um, This is a western comedy This is sort of a blazing saddle Because that that always goes down well doesn't it It does um, Best described as a comedy for humorless thick people Who found the million ways to die in the west too
0: intelligent Best, best way I can describe it. Um, I will say there's one excellent joke in million, million ways. Oh, in million ways. Go on. Yeah, there's that, there's that bit where there's like a gunfight, and then Neil Patrick Harris's character he pulls out a dollar, and everyone because it's like such a poor, um, yeah, but I've like kn- never, it's, it's a dollar. <laughs> Take your hat off, boy. It's a dollar. Yeah, show some respect
1: for the dollar. Yeah, that was a good I love thing. that one. Um, but no, million ways die in the Worst I didn't laugh. What? That million ways die A ridiculous thing. I didn't laugh once. Genuinely true. did not laugh. Once. I turned once.
0: it off after 14 minutes.
1: Did you? Yeah. was the thing? Because they didn't press show it. They didn't let anyone. Shocker. They didn't let anyone <laughs> yeah. see it before release. And um, the lady who works for Netflix PR is a very nice, friendly lady, <laughs> and said to me with with no hint of malice in her voice, "I'm really sorry, but we, we're not we're not uh, giving out review copies of this." I was like, "Okay,
2: it's yeah, cool, yeah. fun. yeah,
1: it's not really worried about." It. Then you watch the film. And go, oh wow! I <clears> that's see why. 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 That's why. Like, how was how, how she so good natured about that? I would, I, would have, I would have told me with fear in my voice. Yeah,
0: I think that the Netflix suits probably set all the marketing people down and gave them sentences he to is, say.
1: Here's the really shocking part about the really, ridiculous. This costs 60 million to make. How? I don't know. I have no. Idea. The, the thing is about it. It's so humourless, so sketch-oriented, and just so devoid of any meaning whatsoever that you can't help but think that, like, that its its humourless nature is matched only by Adam Sandler's complete apathy for his audience, and you think all the goodwill that you earned with Pixels, you have now yeah. merrily merrily chopped away. And I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. It's going to make money no matter. Well, if does Netflix all make money? No.
0: I don't really know how it works. No one knows how he, he would have made so money with work. signing the multiple
1: contracts. Well, he's he's so. he's got the contract. He made his money, and yeah. <sighs> Good God, it's it's just not any good. Uh, grandma, that's out as well. Um, mm, I have Li- heard really good things. About this. Lily Tomlin is a grandma who travels around LA for a day with her granddaughter in order to raise the money to get the granddaughter an abortion. And yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> so and that's do you know who's behind part.
0: this? Oh, it's. It's one of a. Is it White's? What's Paul this? White's. Paul White's is the, the one that did American Pie. Yeah, he
1: brought yeah. us an About a Boy. And was, about a Boy, of course, about yeah. A boy. And uh, excellent, really well made, sort of uh, low profile dramedy. Hmm. Lily Tolman, perfectly cast, really great performance. Great supporting cast as well Judy Greer, uh, Marsha Gay Harden, uh, uh, Sam, uh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Who will absolutely love destroy your soul in a single scene in the, as one scene in this film right. and he will break you <laughs> I am not kidding he will absolutely destroy oh, man. you I don't know if I'm ready for that. You, you know, when, you, when you watch it, seriously, you, you, you're going to watch like the first ten minutes and be like, I don't see what he's talking about. Make sure you have that box of Kleenex to hand. When <laughs> Sam Elliott appears... Niagara Falls. Y- yeah. yeah, Niagara Falls,
0: Frankie Thank you. Angel. <laughs> I'm glad you got
1: that. I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, By the Sea as well, we didn't get to review that last week, uh, which is uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's uh, ode to 70s European cinema, uh, direct, written by and directed by uh, Angelina Jolie. Mm. And uh, this is a, a strange couple overcoming some sort of tragedy. They've gone on a European holiday to uh, rebuild their marriage. In reality, he is a, r- a struggling writer. He's struggling with writer's block and he's electing to treat that with alcohol. And she's mostly just doing some shopping and sunbathing. And that wow. really is the film.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's some stuff about a peephole and a couple, a young newlywed couple next door who they they spy on occasionally. But, um, yeah, no. You can see the intention with it. It doesn't deliver, it is quite dull and it goes on far, far too long. Uh, One final thing then, Ice and the Sky, which is a documentary about the scientist who first pioneered climate change. He's the scientist who discovered the concept of climate change, and uh, from the director of *March of the Penguins*, it's uh, mostly in French and subtitled. It is stunning. It is one of the best-looking documentaries you will ever see. Mm. Um, it, he, the scientist in the present day, returns to the to, to the Antarctic uh, to basically survey what he predicted. 20 and 30 and 40 years ago, and also to convey his disappointment that we have all this discussion about climate change going on, and yet we do nothing. nothing. They give, we are giving him awards for his work, yet listening to none of it, and he, and he his disappointment in this, a really sort of touching and sincere and almost blackfish-like look. At the subject of climate change, less about climate change and more about this scientist and his just profound heartbreak at mm. everything that's gone on in the meanwhile. But uh, really good film. But this this film is so good looking; they'll be putting it on four K TVs in Costco for years to come. <laughs> Buy <laughs> our giant televisions. You know when you go into Costco and it's always Star Trek Into Darkness and the Avengers. Yeah, they'll replace that now with this. this. <laughs> But there's uh, some interesting ones, anyway. We had to, to get them out of the way because we didn't mm. read any of those last of week. Of course, yeah. And I love that Hector, Ridiculous 6, well, Ridiculous 6 wasn't, but Hector, By the Sea, Grandma, Sisters, Ice in the Sky, none of those were in the top ten. That's, that's,
0: that's a bit of a shame, because Sisters. sisters yeah. I would
1: have thought Sisters, but Sisters was disqualified from the top ten. Oh, of course, yeah,
0: yeah, of course. Because it came out on Saturday, the... What was it hey, it might be number one next week. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: think it's, it's got a good chance.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah
1: I yeah, yeah. I'm sensing in the force that that sisters could could, could be number 1